Listen for the word of God according to Luke. Jesus said, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known what the hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Word of God. So I'm not going to preach today. I'm just going to tell you how Betty and I came here this morning. From our house in Rosenberg, we hopped onto FM 723, then onto FM 1093, then on I-10 we took the Silver Road exit and that was it. That's why we're here this morning, because we took that route. I could start our journey a little earlier. And I could tell you that Betty came from the Philippines and has been in the U.S. for a month, a month and a half, two months already. And that I was born and raised in Germany and came to the U.S. 11 years ago. And maybe I should go even further back. Early on, as a child in church, I learned that a Christian is a weird person. A Christian is a stranger in a strange land. And you may be in the land you grew up in, but it's still strange because you don't really belong here. As Paul says, other places, we're in this world, but not off this world. And as a kid growing up in the church in Germany, I got that sense right away. Because what makes church people different from non-church people? For me, it was those summers that we spent not close to home, but in faraway places. We visited our partner churches in Hungary and Holland. We did trips to Israel and Greece. Church is what takes people out of their places and connects them with others. Church takes you from where you live, where you are, what you think you should be, out and changes you and puts you into a strange place. Because there aren't many places in your life where you would say, hmm, 
I'd enjoy sitting, sitting on a wooden bench listening to organ music. <laughs> Who does that? Church does that. It puts you in strange places that are not what you do every day. In America, that's not very common because in America, everybody makes church the living room. It's like family and we listen to the music that we like on the radio and blah, 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 blah. But the way I learn church and the way, obviously, you practice church is it's an odd place that is different from life, that is set apart, sacred, as they say in the Bible. So that's what Christians are, strangers in a strange land that go to places that are not their own. Every place you go to is not your own because you're not off here. You're just present in this time. So, during my high school years, I just decided to stick with the church. So early on, I knew I wanted to become a pastor and stay there, and my math teacher didn't like it because I could tell them, I don't need math going forward. <laughs> and I was right. <laughs> so that's what I did. So I went to divinity school and did all that. And the first year, college and divinity school are combined. It's all one different educational system, whatever. After my first year, came this young woman. We graduated from high school the same year. She was from far, far away, 50 miles away or something. Um, different world. But she spent a year in the Philippines after high school. So even though we graduated the same year, I was a year ahead in college. So she came, and I was part of the orientation team, showing the new kids how campus works and stuff. And I picked that one, because I liked her. And she opened this new world to me that was called the Philippines, the Pacific Islands, a place that was far, farther away from what I've known. But what I liked about Miriam, my now wife, is that she showed me who she was. Because there came this woman who knew exactly what it was to be a stranger in a strange land. I've known that growing up, but here she comes with her story, spending that year in the Philippines as a mission co-worker in this project called Kalauman, where they help little kids develop life skills and lift up their families. Again, this divinity school, this church work, is not about us being comfortable and happy where we're at. It's about being half around the world. So I learned those words. They served as part of the UCCP, United Church of Christ in the Philippines. And the whole thing was pulled together by an entity called Global Ministries. And the place was Kalauman, and you'll hear a lot more about that later. So we got together and spent the rest of our life so far. Then came the year 2007, and the churches in Germany are quasi-public institutions, um, and the church tax and their budgeting and retirement, it got complicated. Anyway, they couldn't hire any more pastors in the year 2007. So Miriam and I, we decided to look elsewhere like most of us did, all our classmates went to Switzerland. Miriam and I looked more westward. 
And we learned another word that we hadn't learned before, and that is called full church communion. So the Protestant Church in Germany and the United Church of Christ in the United States are in full communion, which is a spiritual term because there's still some legal and paperwork hoops to go through. But spiritually, the church in Germany and the United Church of Christ are one. And that's what we did. So we moved to Provo, Utah, and um, did ministry there for a few years. In Provo, which again is a whole world away from even your world, I guess. So in the middle of Mormon land, there was this little old couple that came to church one day. They looked like they were in their 80s, but they really weren't. But life gave them wrinkles beyond their age. They were in their 60s. And they referred to Grandpa as Pastor. Okay, why not? In America, everybody can call themselves pastor, so sure, why not? And then after church, we had coffee, and we came to talk, and he said, we are the United Church of Christ. And I said, what? Because we're the only UCC church in the whole county, because, I mean, it's Mormon land, right? There's no liberal Protestants there. Uh, No, I said, we are. Oh, there's another one? Because he had church in his living room for the past few years since they moved there from California. And he thought he was the UCC in town because his family in his living room lived the traditions of the United Church of Christ in Pompeii, which is in Micronesia. So here we have this little Micronesian family, another Pacific Island group, that represented the United Church of Christ in the town where we thought... Hey, we've been here over 100 years. We're the United Church of Christ in this town. And what did we do? We explored our common roots, and we united, and we worshiped together, and half my congregation became Micronesian. And all of a sudden, I felt home. Yeah, that's what church is. It's not the white German folk like me that are church. It's the people you go to that you meet along the way half around the world. Micronesia in Utah, of course. Makes perfect sense. (laughs) So that's what we did. And my confirmation class was mostly Micronesians with a handful of European background people. And my favorite class with them every year was Church history. And I took them on that journey of church history because they knew exactly what it is to be a stranger in a strange land. I took them on that journey that starts with Pentecost and we draw a timeline on the wall, well, with butcher paper. So it starts on Pentecost and it ends right here in Provo, Utah, where we're somehow connected with the Germans and the Micronesians and it's kind of odd that we're together. But somehow... The church started that way, right? It starts in Jerusalem on Pentecost, then transitions into Europe, transitions from the Hebrew culture to the Greek culture to the Roman culture, into the Germanic tribes, the English, and then around the world. So it's, that's what the church does. It enculturates. Our Bible is written in three languages and translated in hundreds. The church is on the move. And all of a sudden we learned that our little church in Provo, Utah and the church in Micronesia really had the same foundational principle. 
They were congregational missions, late 1800s. The same drive that explored the Inner Mountain West also went to the Pacific Islands. Not a surprise, the same move. And that adds all the complications and um, cultural violence that they brought, but it brought us together 100 years later, and it worked out for us. And then, five years ago, came the time to move again, and Miriam and I and the kids, we came to Rosenberg, Texas. And those kids, now in their 80s, have stories too. That congregation that I served there, mostly old folks that either qualify as German or Czech, they had an amazing history too. Because it was fairly common back in the day that the Germans and the Czechs wouldn't mix. It took them a generation or two to open up. So they also had that history of going beyond their borders, of being strangers in a strange land, because Texas is the place where Germans and Czechs intermarried. Unheard of. But they made it happen. Strangers in a strange land. So here, Betty and I, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for those early missionaries that went to the places and shaped us the way we did. But really, all of y'all wouldn't be here either because somehow the church had to come to this place too. And you know more about your own history than I do. But there must have been a push that somehow made it from Pentecost in Jerusalem to right here. And exploring that connection, you can do another Sunday. So once I was settled here in Texas, the United Church of Christ is beautiful in its collegiality, so we have clergy cluster every month where all our Houston area pastors gather. And it's typically right here in your educational building. So I've been here for years. Going to the restroom one day, I passed a poster in the hall that said Kala Woman Development Center on it. And I was like, what? That's the place I learned in college about when I met my girlfriend, now wife, right? Huh. So there is a connection bef- between First Congregational Church in Houston and the story that college girlfriend of mine told me 20 years ago. And I run into that poster right here, right now, all that time later. So somehow... FCC also has a sense of what it means to be a stranger in a strange land. Oh, yeah, you got a rainbow flag on your bulletin in Texas. Yeah, you know what stranger in a strange land is. <laughs> but you also know Kalauma. And then, see, I'm not preaching today, right? I'm just telling you why we got here. A few weeks ago, General Synod happened for the United Church of Christ in Milwaukee. And Betty had already been on her mission for weeks. And she was there representing at General Synod. And she'll tell you more about her representation afterwards. But so everything came full circle. I've never been to the Philippines. We're going next year, hopefully. But here she is. My wife's supervisor from 20-something years ago. 
I run into her at General Synod. We schedule her coming down here. She preached at Miriam's Church in Needville, and now here, and many more trips to come. So sometimes we forget that Luke's story reminds us that this is not all. So, stranger in a strange world, because we are not here for being here, but we're here for something beyond here. Luke reminds us, be dressed for actions and have your lamps lit. That's what we just heard. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit, because you never know where life's going to take you. We know God's kingdom is coming, and we're supposed to be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. We're called to be on a mission, and we're called to live that out. In the UCC, we don't like mission. I mean, you have a mission board, and you use that term, but it's still kind of uneasy because mission sounds like we're building a church, we're bringing the word, we're bringing salvation, and if you don't follow us, you're going to hell. (laughs) It's what they used to do. It's what they used to do in the Philippines. That's what they used to do in Utah. That's what they used to do in Micronesia. And yes, that's probably what they used to do right here. Took a lot of transforming to rethink that. Well, actually, I take that back. In Provo, Utah, it already happened in a different way. They came and they thought they should build a church, those congregational missionaries. And they set up a Sunday school to begin with. But then they figured out, hey, we can't teach them Sunday school. They have all those kids, they can't read. So they built a school instead of a church. That's what we do. That's our mission. We don't bring the mission of the word in order to bring salvation. We bring mission of action in order to bring wholeness. That's what we do locally. And that's what we're doing around the world now. Because it used to be that the rich first world people feed the hungry poor children in the third world. And we sent missionaries out helping them. Well, we don't do that anymore. We don't have missionaries that we send. Global Ministry has mission co-workers. So the mission is not ours, it's God's mission. And we don't work it, we're just co-workers, co-working with local initiatives. And actually, since the 60s, the reverse is more important because we have unlearned to do the hard work of God. So since the 60s, more often than not, we depend on folks like Betty to come back to us And tell us what the mission is out there. Because what do the kids in the Philippines need? We don't know. They do. So we are co-workers together. And we need to learn those stories. We need to hear them. We need to be engaged by them. And that's the important mission work that we're doing today. We're reconnecting to our sisters and brothers around the world. So Betty and I came today to represent the Church Universal no small feat, to remind you that the body of Christ is much bigger than the local church. And do you remember that story we had for children's moment? God asked Abraham to step outside in the middle of the night. He brought him outside and said, look towards the heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. 
And then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. No matter who you are or where you are under the night sky, in the Philippines, in Germany, in the U.S., you are a stranger in a strange land. Amen. And now I invite you to rise.